Live from Nairobi, Kenya, on the Artist First World Radio Network, it's time for another broadcast of Africa Creates, a program dedicated to African creativity. Past shows are available free on demand. Visit the Africa Creates archive page on artistfirst.com. And here's your host, Vered Asani. Hi, this is Vered Asani of Africa Creates. Right now I'm at the University of Nairobi, uh, in downtown Nairobi, in their Fab Lab. And I'm with Daniel Dua, who's going to first of all tell me what Fab Lab means, and then he's going to tell his story. Okay, uh, Fab Lab is a fabricated lab. Basically, it's an innovation lab or hub for young people, not young people generally, but everybody walks in and if you have innovation or some sort of idea, you can have it created. So, something of that nature. Okay, and I was very impressed because uh, Fab Lab actually has the first 3D printer that I've seen. So, that was really cool. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, so, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit of, you, you were starting to tell me a story about how you got into what you are into, and we're going to talk about that. Um, it sounds like you're a very creative person and you explore different media uh, to tell stories. And maybe you can just share how that started off. I don't think I'm necessarily creative. I think I'm just curious in, in many ways. But one of, one of the major problems in this growing up in this country was you didn't have a lot of options. You had one, one government, you had one radio station, one TV station that opened at uh, 4 o'clock, closed at before you, 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 could, you are ready to sleep. So basically what we did in those days, uh, you either listened to shortwave radio, which was the internet of those days, or you came up with your own stuff. And one of those days, a friend of mine made a transistor and he could broadcast on an empty channel, frequency rather. So what I did was just play some rock music. And in those days, you didn't play rock music. So it became a pirate radio station. I was about 10 years old. I didn't even know it was a pirate radio station. <laughs> so at the age of 10, you became a pirate. It seems, yeah. <laughs> it seems. Yeah. I, I wish I had like swords and stuff. <laughs> so what happened to your pirated radio station? Uh, within three days, uh, I had like um, the security people come over in plain clothes. And that was a really scary thing. And they shut it down. And they took me and took a statement from me and, you know, I was really threatened. But that made me even more agitated to do more, do something. So, we've, yeah. so we, found, we found ways to get around it. Uh, I don't know if we did get around it, but we, we sort of found a way to get around it. And that was the start of the struggle or the creativity, if you like. And this was during the days of Moy or Kenyatta? It was Moy. During the so Moy the, era. The early days yeah, of Moy The second era. president now. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we certainly know that during that time there was quite a lot of oppression of, as you say, of, of the arts, which actually I didn't realize as much, but uh, the arts of political uh, freedom or freedom of speech. So it was quite an oppressive regime. Although on the outside everyone claimed it was a democracy, but it was quite oppressive. And you've just shared one incident as a 10-year-old with your little radio station playing rock music. I didn't even know there was oppression until one time my uncle was into reggae music and there was a group called UB40 from the UK and the, there was a song called There's a Rat in the Kitchen which was um, I think an adage for the Moy government and the kitchen cabinet and this was in the early 80s yeah. 
And when that song played and it was burnt in this country, I realized there was something wrong. And I, I couldn't understand. I was a kid. I couldn't understand why we couldn't listen to the music we wanted to listen to. And after that happened, I thought, no, we should be able to listen to what we need to listen to. And, and that's when the struggle started for me. I am not a lawbreaker or anything like that, but I thought, why, why should you be told? And then also in those days, the police could just come into your house and inspect your house for no good reason. So I didn't understand why you'd be sleeping at night in your own house and people walking. It was really scary. Not with weapons, but anybody could come and take your house. And, and I thought that wasn't right. And I was raised in two places, basically. In Nairobi, uh, very cosmopolitan. But then also in, at a research station which had like 15 research centers. So I didn't understand why you'd be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever it is and somebody walks into your door and, and asks you to, without, without your permission. I mean, so this, the, that, that's what educates how I feel about things today. Definitely. Yeah. And what, what inspired you to start looking at stories? Because you're, you, the first thing you said to me when I asked you, what do you do? You say, essentially, I'm a storyteller. So where does that come from? I mean, clearly, it, there's a background of wanting to make sure there's some freedom of information and freedom of artistic expression. Yeah. But how did that lead you into storytelling? In fact, two things. The oppression itself, and the second thing is when I was very, uh, when I was very young, when I was about two, three years old, I, ha I was clinically dead for three, three times. And then I, was, I had a chronic condition and had an operation. So wait, I, wait, wait, back up a bit. Daniel. Yes. How were you clinically dead? My head stopped. Okay. Yes. For what reason? Do you know? I have never okay. been told. Wow. Yeah, but okay. three times. I'm, I'm told three times. But what I can remember for very well is uh, being at the National Hospital and for years living there uh, on and off. Yeah. And then one of this time I was about eight years old, I had an operation and it took me a while to recuperate. And that, I think that's what made me a nerd in many ways. So you tend to be very introverted, but if you're introverted, you watch a lot. And because I was very shy, still very shy, and that's why I do very public things to hide my shyness. <laughs> yeah, I can really, I really got the impression you were shy. Not I'm, really. I'm a very extremely shy. So, okay, well, you've covered it well. Yeah, so I do very public things. So in those days, what, I, what happened is I turned 10, my parish radio is locked, is, is shut down. And then when I was about 13, I met a very interesting girl. And you know, puppy love, and you know, interest in her, and she was a family friend. She broke my heart, really. Mm -hmm. And I never wrote before that. So I started writing this small thing in a piece of book. And I didn't know that was poetry. Mm -hmm. And poetry was born then. So, so you hadn't studied poetry in school before? Nothing, nothing. Okay. Uh, even my English, I, two things, okay. My, my stories get to be a bit weird and complicated. So I started writing poetry. I'm, I'm about 13 years old. And then my friends come to the house and steals one of the pieces and gives it to an editor who's the sister. And the editor publishes it without permission and then goes like, who wrote this? Mm. And I was very shy. I couldn't. So that's how that started. And... Uh, uh, now, now my train of thought is just lost totally. <laughs> no Shyness, problem. Yeah. 
So you started writing poetry because of a broken heart, yes. and your first published piece was actually stolen and published without your permission, yes. but it still got published. Yes. Did that lead to now uh, some more interest in writing? Did you thought, wow, I should take this more seriously, or what no, happened? No, no. I only wrote because it was a good channel, because I never used to talk to anyone, so it was a good channel to get things out of my chest. But she insisted I write, so I ghostwrote uh, wrote my stuff. I didn't write with my name. Uh, the deal was, I'll write, you won't pay me for it, because I didn't feel like you should write, you should be paid for something that just comes out of accident. And then during that time is when uh, we had our first private channel, which was 24 hours. They had very little programming, so the rest of the time had CNN on. And I was so excited about this getting American programming because we had British programming. And what I did when everybody was asleep is learn English. Yeah. I, I sat down at 3 o'clock in the morning and if they say this is CNN, that's what I did too. Mm. I, I just repeated the words and so on and so forth. And So you hadn't learned English beforehand in school or something? You know, it's, it's average English. It's okay. like any other school. Um, but I wanted to be excellent. Mm. So I thought, okay, if they're, if, if they're as good as they say, I mean, why not? So, and then we got digital phones, mm -hmm. which were made in Kenya. Uh, not assembled, made in Kenya, in, Kigir, in, in, in the Rift Valley. And these were not the router phones that you had from before. These were digit phones. And being the nerd I am, I could crack, or, or um, what do you say? Crack is a nice way of saying uh, I could make free calls. <laughs> the pirating streak never went away, Daniel. No, it, it was there. <laughs> so I, 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 made, I made these free calls. And, and the beauty is I figured a way to make international calls. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, I have English, watching from TV, learning English from TV, writing poetry from a heartbreak, and then I can practice my English making calls to whoever. So you call the States and, and, and hope it lands on a person uh, who can... <laughs> Some random stranger. Yes, hopefully a stranger who can, you know, you can practice your English on. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing, the first week, the first week I made that call... Yes, uh, which state are you calling from? I'm like, Kenya. Where is that? Is it in Texas? I'm like, no, it's in Africa. And the confusion. <laughs> so over time, I, I, I think, I, I, you know, probably, I, I'm, I'm one of those people who made that company to go on the downfall, I mean. <laughs> because I think every day I used to make like five calls or something. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and were you ever caught for that, Daniel? Uh, no, okay. but 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 uh, in my defense, uh, every time I found a way to crack the the, the, the call, I, I used to call the phone company and tell them to 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 patch it up. Oh, I, I used to tell them the tricks. Oh my! Because it was very simple. You have a twelve-digit code, then you you hang it up, and then you put four digits. Uh -huh. It's kind of like a password. Right. The, the way a computer works. So, but you know, it was terrestrial. Terrestrial lines are easy to break. I mean, very easy to break. So, yeah. That's so, according to the pirate. So, <laughs> so then you were telling me a story actually about uh, how you got into film because you write poetry, you have yes. a blog, yes. and we'll have all of those links up on uh, africacrates.net. Yes. You also have a YouTube channel, and you were telling me a story which I found quite humorous about yes. how you got into storytelling via sort of video or visual storytelling. Okay, um, 
So you're watching TV and you wonder why they never feature this person or that person or stories that you'd like, stories that entertain you, excite you. So I, I thought, let me, okay, since I started writing poetry, I started writing articles mm. and I, 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 I majored on two, three parts, technology, health and entertainment. And that's the time Kenyan was exploding with, with new talent because we had very great artists in the 1960s, 70s. And then it just slumped in the 80s because of the oppression in the 90s. And then the late 90s, uh, it just exploded again. Culture exploded again. And there was this beauty and brilliance. There was fashion. There was music. There was Everybody had a studio because of computers came. So everybody had a studio in, in, in their bedroom somewhere. So we, we started uh, working. And, and these people are my friends. Because, you know, if you're a writer, you're sent for a story. You meet models. You meet artists. And these people are your friends. And they're like, we're doing it for promotion. I didn't understand that. You either do it professionally or you don't. Mm-hmm. And that's my, my, uh, my mantra. Um, and professionally, you do it well, learn it well. I mean, it's good to go to school. But if you can have great mentors. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there, and so I've been writing articles. I've gotten published on, 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 on anthologies. And this time, I've gotten comfortable to write on my name, uh, under my name. So after a while... As the story goes on, you realize there's no films. And I wasn't very much into pictures. Mm. Taking pictures was... Because, you know, in those days, in, even the more you did, you found a guy walking with a camera saying, I'm a camera person. I didn't understand that. Mm. So I thought, why don't we do films? And it was extremely expensive. So one time I'm seated at an event, a major event, a fashion event. I think it was an American event. And this guy goes like, who can shoot? I'm like, me, I've never handled a camera in my life. Oh, dear. But I thought it, it works as a VC, like the VCR, mm-hmm. and I used to open the VCR. I just waited for my dad to leave, and all the electronics could be opened and see how it works or something. I don't know if I can put it back. I'm not, I'm not an engineer, but I just like to open it up, see how it, the inside. And, and hopefully you were able to put everything back together before your parents came home. Just so long as it works. <laughs> Who will tell? Yeah. But my dad was very keen, you know, you could leave things and put marks which you couldn't see, you know, because he's a scientist. So, so yeah. So I, I picked this camera up and I shoot my first uh, film. I, I was very scared. Um... Sorry about that. I, I was very scared, and uh, despite being scared, I was very excited to, you know, because sound and picture and covering all these things. And the camera was on VHS. It, it was a height, so you know, it, it ran on those big tapes. So a couple years later, uh, we started something called Kenya Music Week, which is a festival uh, where you bring artists together to trade music, because you, before that you couldn't buy any music. You didn't know where to buy music, especially if you live in, in, in an estate or uptown. Yeah. So we brought this into a shopping mall mm-hmm. where you could walk in, you could buy your music, and then the backside I insisted that we have a professional sound, yeah? a professional stage and those kind of things. And then uh, with the team that we had, they also thought, let's have a forum where you bring international experts to train these people to uh, onto what music is. Uh, ten years down the line, I'm no longer there, but uh, the legacy moves on, and we have amazing artists. Mm-hmm. But coming back to filming, so in between that period, I started shooting um, shows. 
TV shows basically. And I didn't want to be on screen. I've been told I need to be on screen, but I'm very shy. So I thought, <laughs> what do I do? You have only two options. You can be a producer and have the headache or heartache of, of, of getting all the funding. Or you can be a director and shout at everybody. Mm. <laughs> Which sounds much more fun. <laughs> yeah, for, you know. And I, I tend to look like a kid, you know. I don't look my age. So, you know, and I'm not into sports. So, I mean, shouting at people is pretty nice, you know. Especially if, if, this, if, if the outcome is awesome. So, yeah. So, I, I became a film director. And I, I think I read three uh, three pages of, of from a book, and I was well, like, okay, I'm not gonna read. I'm just gonna do it. And that's how I started. Uh, I did two two TV shows for I think for Citizen TV. I think it's the third independent television channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a comedy, a hidden camera show, uh-huh. the first one we did, uh, and that's that a couple years back. Uh-huh. And today everybody is doing a hidden camera show. We never had hidden camera. And then the second thing we did was. Um, Kind of like a, um, an educative show. When you come to Nairobi, everybody knows when you go to a city, you'll be conned. Mm-hmm. So we were giving out the tricks. But then fine, beyond that, we did a lot of uh, things on to DVD. We wanted to develop the DVD market. Uh, we did uh, music compilations. So those kind of things. Right. Very artistic stuff. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and you were, we were discussing just before we started the interview yeah. about... Yeah. The importance of telling our stories, and and you were quite passionate, I would say, about that. <laughs> Can you just repeat what you had told me because I found it very informative. I, I think um, if you if if you have to move forward, you have to capture the now. I mean, look at Egypt; they might be having their problems right now, but it, they have written history that dates back and whatever. We need to tell our stories. And when we, I say we, is everybody needs to tell our story. But especially uh, as Africans, we need to tell our stories. And right now we have the tools. Uh, uh, back in the day, like I was telling you. So I'm, I'm, I'm filming. It's a big movie set. And, and we have all these people. Uh, we, we didn't have funding. That's a problem. But, we, I mean, you call a guy, he has a camera. You call another, he can give you a car. And So we're filming this thing. And then you, you run out of battery. Yeah? And you're in the middle of the, you're in the world. So I, I, I see this tourist girl, and she has a small camera, and go, like, Can I borrow that? And she looking at me like she can't trust me. But I give her my camera, my big expensive camera uh, that I'd borrowed. Hold on to that. Can I borrow your camera? Mm-hmm. So I borrow the camera and go, like, Does he have a video function? She goes, like, Yes. I didn't know that that would work, but I just had to capture the moment. So I go and film this thing, and when it's done, uh, we can't figure out how to transfer the material. <laughs> so anyway, uh, after... Sorry, let me just put this off. So after a while, uh, it, after three days, I get the material, and it's, it's easy to work with, mm-hmm. number one, and it's of a higher quality than... The tapes we have, and this is a big camera. I mean, they cost a lot of money. So I thought, wait a minute, we can actually use portable devices to to shoot. Right. So I picked the first camera I can get. You know, the uh, the, the commercial camera with the mm-hmm. video function. Um, 
and, and this was a couple years back, I think uh, eight or nine years back. Um, little did I know, they, in the future there's gonna be something called user-generated content. Mm -hmm. uh, today you have uh, mobile phones that shoot on HD. Mm -hmm. And in terms of filming, if you get the picture, if you get the sound right, you get a picture. So the tr the challenges uh, and that's the same that's the same in in a big camera on a big camera or on a mobile device. Um, so that that was the the, the the genesis of that. And going back to that, I didn't know it's it's gonna because after after that I I was like we are filming we are somewhere let's just film, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and then on, on the music event that we did every Saturday, I met this kid. It was, it was just a kid shooting. It turned out to be one of uh, the best photojournalists in Kenya. It's called Boniface Mwangi. Uh -huh. So I couldn't, I couldn't do f pictures. And also I didn't say that when I was a kid uh, in primary school, that's like grade school, yeah, um, I had these two cartoonists. Mm -hmm. uh, one was called Victor and the other one Stano. And Stano could draw the way you are. But he used to draw me with big ears, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I couldn't draw Obviously to save my life. making fun of you. Exactly. <laughs> And Victor used to do landscapes, and he was very artistic. So that's the background. I never, I was never born into an artistic family. You know, people. Only my father loved music, and uh, my, my father loved rumba. So I wasn't, I wasn't gonna go rumba. But my grandfather liked uh, BGs and all these people. So I, I fell in between. You know, I went the rock way, and I liked noise and loudness. You know, I mean. Just wake up the neighbors at night. <laughs> With your pirated radio station. Yes. <laughs> your yeah. pirated phone. It's <laughs> pirated phone. So. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. So what are you, what's in your in your plans now, Daniel? What is the what does the future hold for you? What do you envision? Right now, because we have distribution, that's that's been a major problem uh, since time in Memorial. Now we have the tools. We marry the tools and the talent. Yeah. I think right now what I want to do is tell our stories on a bigger scale, but not personally, because uh, everything I've done is because of the mentors that have carried me. So I have to give back to the society, give back to the people, and take the next generation. Yeah, uh, Very passionate. Use the tools we have. I don't think everybody should have a radio station or a TV station or whatever, but everybody has a story that should be captured. Yeah? You can write a book, you can, I mean, but now you have a camera, you have, uh, you, you have text, you have uh, image. Put it out there. So for me, that, that's the idea. I, I want to I wanna tell all our stories. If, if I can teach people how to film, how to write, how to, and then they do it themselves, and let's let's have a thousand, let's have a million stories, yeah. Let's have our local stories, and then build that into uh, quality work. I mean, we can, we can have dramas, we can have films, we can. Why not? Yeah. And it's about time we we, we, we got serious about this because if we don't tell our stories, I think we'll, we we're dying inside. Yeah. We'll lose a part of our history. We and part of ourselves, you know. It's about the now, it's about the future, but it's about enjoying your now, I mean, your life. And then let's explore each other's uh, spaces. Um, I don't, I, I've, I like traveling, and I like going then, uh, going back and, and uh, counting the experiences, not, not the places, the faces, but the experiences and who you share them with. So that, that's exciting for me. 
So I, I'm seeing in a couple of years uh, probably a Pan-African wide medium, um, which is very open, uh, not, not oppressed at all. It should be very open. I think everybody should be open to express themselves. And also a sense of education in terms of, yeah, schooling is great, I agree. But there are many levels of schooling. If, if you can do it yourself and, 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 and own your skill to be the best you can, why not? Yeah, so that's what I'm looking at. Thank you, Daniel. I'm chatting with Daniel on Africa Creates. Pop by africacreates.net to get all some future, more links rather, and uh, links to his blog and his YouTube channel, and find out more about Daniel and our other artists. So we look forward to seeing you on our blog, and we will chat with you next week. Perfect.